So it is Monday, October the 5th, so this means another episode of the Uplifting Only podcast. So welcome back if you're a returning subscriber, and welcome if you're if you're new to this show. So um, I just wanted to introduce one new segment uh, this week. I was trying to think of ways to spice up the podcast a little bit, and one thing I came up with was a new segment at the end of each episode, which is going to entail more just lighthearted, uh, quick, easy stories that might make you smile a little bit. Um, because the uplifting stories I'm talking about throughout the majority of the podcast deal with more important issues, um, but there are plenty of stories out there that are just kind of nice to see, nice to hear, so I thought I'd introduce that um, at the end, so stay tuned for that. Um, and one other addition, and that's going to be in the coming weeks, is uh, I want to introduce audio clips from uh, the sources that I that I read on, um, so just to make it a little more interesting so you don't have to hear my voice the whole time. But, uh, but yeah, so those are the, the changes that are upcoming. The new segment for lighthearted uh, stories is coming today. And uh, audio clips are, will be coming in, in the uh, upcoming weeks. So, so yeah, let's uh, nevertheless jump into the, the stories this week. It's been a crazy week. You had Trump in the hospital. You had the debate uh, between Biden and Trump. And uh, just an absolutely crazy week. So let's jump into these more uplifting stories. So the first one is going to come from China. Uh, they have just pledged to try to get to net zero emissions by 2060. So within the next 40 years, they want to be at net zero emissions. Uh, President Xi announced that um, early this week, late last week. And uh, I think this is great. Um, right now, China is the leading uh, polluter in the world. Um, they use the most coal out of anybody to power their country. And uh, they're responsible for 30% of of the world's emissions. So they take up a large chunk of the CO2 in our air. And um, to me, when I, when I read this, what stood out to me is kind of the bigger picture of all this. So right now you have a lot of countries arguing, well, why would we even try to lower our emissions or try to get to net zero if countries like China, who are polluting 30%, um, of the the world's CO2 emissions, why would we even try to make a dent in this? Because it's it's not going to do too much. So, I think the overall bigger picture of this, and this is what I'm excited for, is this is now I think going to force countries to push forward in the direction of lowering the carbon footprint. So, um, and and this is exemplified. I mean, last week's debate, uh, Trump made the argument himself. He said, "Well, you know, you, you got all these countries who are polluting more than us." And so, so how are we going to change, you know, the, the, the world's climate? And I don't agree with it, but I think this is going to, um, this new push from China is definitely going to, uh, push other countries in the right direction. Um, not only just for the environment, but for competition, right? I mean, China is going to, I would assume within the next 40 years, go full force at this and try to really get to the best ways of producing uh, producing energy without polluting the air. And that's going to mean a lot more jobs. It's going to be a whole, whole new market. Um, and uh, I think this is just getting started. So if the United States wants to, to try and stay in the, the competition for global uh, leadership, they're going to have no choice. So um, so yeah, I, I think this the, the bigger picture of this is, is very good. Um, also, China, as we know, has been very innovative, uh, especially over the last 30, 40 years. And uh, I think, or hopefully, they will you know come up with more efficient solutions to this. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is great. There are going to be some 
some issues. I mean, right now they have lots of incentives to fire up coal plants and, um, Unfortunately, right now, the, their coal-producing uh, energy uh, plants are, are completely oversaturated, um, and it's just way too um, accessible and way too convenient to uh, to use coal. So they're going to have to find new incentives. They're going to have to dissuade uh, coal production. They're going to have to uh, figure out how they're going to make solar and and wind more stable as it is more variable than uh than coal that's kind of the problem is that it's it is easier in a sense but um so they are going to have to to solve some problems and the last problem they're gonna have to solve is uh their nuclear power generators a lot of people are against nuclear power because of the risks even though it is one of the best ways to produce energy without uh without uh, producing emissions, but there are concerns about nuclear power plants. So um, there's lots of problems to overcome, but they're giving themselves 40 years. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I really hope that other countries will now take this as a kick in the ass and will start um, start to try to get to net zero and, and try to, even if for, for nothing else, just get into this new competitive space. So I'm, I'm excited for this. The second story is going to come from Australia. So in Melbourne, Australia, they are just starting human trials on a new uh, solution for people who are blind. So they have created this new bionic eye, which has been tested on sheep and has been successful on sheep. And uh, they are now moving to the stage of testing this on humans. So what this essentially is, this bionic eye is obviously to, to help people who are blind see. And so... Just a quick little scientific uh, rundown here. Basically, a lot of times when people are blind, it's not because their brain isn't functioning correctly. It's because their optic nerve has been in some way um, defective or uh, or just not working properly. And so what ends up happening is the, the eye can't actually send the proper information to the brain to process. So... Uh, researchers have been trying for a long time to figure out how they can get around this and uh, create a connection. And this is a new take on things. So essentially what this is, it, it, it w- would be a headset. Um, but essentially what they would do is they'd have uh, a, a video recorder, but then they'd also have electrical panels in in the patient's brain. They're obviously very small, but um, they'd have electrical panels in the brain to stimulate um, el- the uh, electrical connections. Um, and essentially what it does is it records, then it sends it off to a processor, which then sends it back to the brain, which these electrical panels will then process, send to the brain as electrical impulses, and th- hopefully the end case in this is for, for humans at least that it will work, that people who are blind can see. Um, so this is a remarkable um feet in in once again technology and um i think this also exemplifies where we're headed in the future i mean there's been a lot of things like elon musk's uh, Neuralink, um which you know they're trying to essentially put chips in people's brains to you know if you're paralyzed you can move again and in this case if you're blind you can see again or see for the first time in a lot of cases um so so i think this is also uh, puts a focus on the shift toward um, integration with technology and the human body. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing. It's uh, truly amazing. But hopefully, it, it just kind of stays in in the realm of uh, a positive uses, and it doesn't go into any uh, 
negative realms, which I'm, I'm not too confident on. But nonetheless, this is um, a great, uh, a great story. I mean, I just hopefully it works. Hopefully, the human trials go according to plan. And um, and yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's exciting. So if there is any updates on this, I will keep you updated. But I mean, this probably won't be for the next probably few years. So uh, we'll see. But um, but yeah, very interesting stuff. And uh, hopefully it works. Now, the last story or the last main story of this week's episode um, is uh, in the United States, there is a new program from T-Mobile. Uh, they are trying to implement 10 million free um, Wi-Fi uh, routers, or not Wi-Fi routers, but uh, trying to install 10 million um, routers in, in homes across America for children um, and providing them with free Wi-Fi access. And uh, they've just started this. So uh, right now, they actually just started a program which is going to give 15,000 children um, free Wi-Fi. And that's for their whole families as well. And right now, they're doing it for public schools in Pennsylvania, Mississippi, Maryland, New Mexico, and Indiana. And so 15,000 children, which means uh, quite a few families, are going to have free Wi-Fi now. And this is uh, extremely important, I think, because... Well, actually, for two for two main reasons. One, we are in still in COVID, and uh, one of the problems right now that everybody's facing, or every every student is facing right now, is dealing with uh, online school. And uh, it's not necessarily easy, even if you had the greatest internet access. But it's even harder if you uh, don't have great internet access. And unfortunately, a lot of students don't. And they actually found that. Of the 50 million people, this is the United States, uh, using remote learning, 15 to 60 million of those um, don't have adequate connections to the internet. So this is a problem, uh, uh, you know, for those children. I mean, how, how are you supposed to succeed in school? And this, again, plays into, you know what, if you're poor, I mean, you're just not, um, you're not going to be as uh, equal to other kids. And, and that's just not acceptable as far as I can see. So I think this is a good step in the right direction to making the the um, the the playing field level and um, and allowing uh, children the opportunity to get the education that uh, that they they should get. So um, very good stuff. I hope this you know keeps expanding. Like I said, T-Mobile is trying to do this for ten million children. So hopefully they uh, continue on this on this road or this path. Um, but uh, yeah, so. 15,000 children are now going to get free Wi-Fi for school. And uh, again, mid-COVID, this is, um, this is you know, it's much needed. So very excited to see this, uh, very happy to see it. And um, so, yeah, those are the three main stories of this week. Um, and like I said, I will now be uh, introducing a new segment where I give you some more lighthearted uh, stories. So hope you, hopefully you enjoy that. And uh, we'll jump into that right now. Okay, now for some quick stories, uh, just to give you a, a quick smile. Um, this one's, uh, it, it's pretty nice to see that there's humpback whales uh, in Alaska that are now coming out more um, because tourism for, for cruises has basically ended right now because of COVID. And um, 
what they're doing is that they're actually they're, they're singing and making a lot more noises, um, which sounds very uh, inconsequential, but it actually isn't. Um, the sounds that they make are, are used quite a bit to mate uh, with one another, and it makes it extremely difficult uh, when there's a bunch of cruises and boats going around. So um, they're singing a lot more, and not only does it allow them to mate more, which is great for them, uh, but it also allows us to capture their noises in a much better way and to discover uh, more about uh, these whales. Um, and this actually just kind of underlies a larger theme throughout the world. I mean, you can see many stories, and I'm sure this won't be the last, about um, uh, many animals just kind of coming out of the out of the woodworks um, because uh, you know the boats and the tourism has basically been put to a halt uh, because of COVID. So that is the one benefit of COVID is the animals are doing a lot better because they can actually return to their natural habitat, uh, basically uh, untouched. And, um, and yeah, so it's, um, it's nice to see. I mean, it's, it's nice to see that uh, the, the whales, the humpback whales are coming out, they're singing, they're making noise. And uh, yeah, it's a nice little story. And uh, the last one, I just did two this week. Um, so there's an interesting thing that came out about dogs. Um, so they did this study, and if you tell your dog that you love them, if you say, I love you to your dog, their heart rate actually jumps uh, because they get so excited. Now, in this specific study, uh, the, the dog's heart rate on average went from 67 beats per minute to 98. So uh, pretty amazing how you know those, that phrase even touches dogs in the in an emotional way. So um, if you have a dog, tell them you love them and uh, they, they might get a little more excited. And also if you cuddle them, they decrease their heart rate. So uh, pretty substantially. So uh, so yeah, new, new studies about dogs and uh, I thought those was, was pretty nice. And, uh, and yeah, so if you have a dog, tell them you love them, cuddle with them and uh, maybe make their day a little bit better too. So yeah, those are the, the two lighthearted quick stories of the week. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully you like this new segment. Let me know. Um, I will be doing more. I just this week, those are the, the, the main two that I thought would be uh, entertaining to you guys. So, um, but yeah, let me know on social media uh, what you thought about this new segment, what you thought about the podcast, any suggestions, and I will see you guys here next Monday. And uh, that would be October the 12th. So see you here next week.